0: The
1: most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week, only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies
2: last. The 3 Down Green Cast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown room. Well, welcome to the Three Down Weather Center, uh, Action Channel 11 News, as uh, we break down uh, the weather reports. For the week ahead in the CFL, as it is now probably the most vital piece of information we could talk about. So, sorry, football fans. This this is now a weather podcast. Greg Johnson will be on
1: next week. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There, there's there's some barometric pressures, and some there's some big L's, with some arrows, and they're doing some shit. And then there's an H, and some other arrows, and it's doing some shit. All I know... Could be thunderstorms, could be rain, could be sun, I don't know.
2: And we really get to save money compared to like a lot of weather, you know, like the weather network and the local channels and their weathers because we can just talk about the weather. We don't need a green screen with all the fancy graphics. We can literally just go to Environment Canada's webpage and read it kind of like basically every radio station in the country
0: does
1: (laughs) but don't forget you gotta subscribe so you can customize your city's list right yes of course funny, (laughs) funny thing is i'm trying to figure out what i would get wrong more often jewel the weather forecasts or my terrible hot takes what would be wrong more often
2: um your terrible hot takes because at least you could blame the weather on someone else unless you happen to set up, like, a whole Doppler radar thing in your backyard, which I'm assuming Lacey wouldn't be all that thrilled about, and kind of build your whole own weather system, you know, to watch patterns and everything. So, I'm going to go with your hot takes just on that reason alone.
1: And and I'm usually always wrong with the hot takes as well, too. The weather, you know, I've only got really three outcomes, and none of them involve Johnny Manziel.
2: No, not yet, not yet, anyway, until the... uh, Makes it rain, I guess? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Is he making it rain anywhere? Do the <laughs> club count?
2: Maybe, I don't know. Who knows what he's up to these days. He uh, maybe, maybe he'll uh, show up in the XFL along with uh, Cody Fajardo.
1: Oh, now that... That's a little, nice, little, love- a little,
2: nice little 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 nice subtle dunk bomb out of nowhere on the Rod Peterson show this week if uh, you happen oh. to miss it.
1: <laughs> oh, I love, A, I love dunk, dunk bombs, B, I love dunk bombs on the Rod Peterson show. There's just something extra, extra good about a place where, you know, a guy can talk about the CFL unfiltered and just come on and just receive all of the dunk bombs. Yeah,
2: um, so obviously if you haven't picked up on it, uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the weather on this episode, but not the actual weather, and ironically yeah. it was storming again here in Regina today on Monday as we record this podcast, just like it was in Montreal over the weekend on for the game, and as it was in Regina that night as well, delaying Garth Brooks yeah. for 100 million hours, so... <laughs> So we're going to talk about the weather and how that affected the football game and how we saw probably something I don't think any of us have ever seen before in terms of the game of football and probably any sport besides like baseball and golf and that sort yeah. of thing. And, you know, kind of just what it means and where does the league go from here, if anything. And it's just, it's just a really weird conversation that everyone's having right now where there's We just don't really think there's a right answer, really, No. to get down to it. Uh, We're going to talk about the defense because they're really starting to find their groove, I think. A unit that kind of started off a little slow under Jason Shivers and some new personnel. Starting to find their piece a little bit, you know, kind of how they're going to uh, approach the game and uh, impact the game, as we saw, also against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, We may touch on Cody Fajardo a little bit and his future, of course, with the team. And, of course, uh, there was the very subtle... Retirement of Weston Dressler this past week—that uh, certainly deserves a mention as well. But as usual, before we get to all that, John, uh, what is in the glass this week?
1: Well, I started off yesterday. Had a barbecue. In fact, the barbecue was so successful. We were talking about when we were going to record at 9:45 last night, and mm-hmm. I don't recall texting you back. Um, a large part of that was because I had two summary beers. One you recommended to me, add some lime to the pile of bone Scarf street blonde. Holy crap, it was good. Yeah. Uh, second, uh-huh. another beer that calls out for lime, and actually the one I'm drinking tonight because I still happen to have one or two left miraculously after the number I did on myself last night. Uh, that being rebellion cerveza style, I threw a little lime wedge in the can sip them back in some deliciousness and yeah as we kind of get into the uh it doesn't feel much like summer at like plus 20 here in Saskatchewan right now but I mean it is still summer it yesterday still was summer. A, it was a good day for a barbecue and uh you know what there's something about having the sun beaten down on you with some good friends good food and limey beer and yeah that led to trouble and me checking my text today going huh Joel did text me yesterday
2: Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. earlier in the day, I remember you saying you were having a barbecue, so it's okay. I'm not, not going to suggest you record on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> I didn't really feel like recording on Sunday night either, so it was fine. It was fine, obviously. Um, for me, I am sticking with, uh, the, I guess, kind of the staple beer of this program uh, today, uh, the Pile of Bones White IPA. Oh, yeah. Just trying to uh, enjoy... The, the kind of last last few weeks of summer here, I suppose. So I guess it's still technically summer in September, but, you know, everyone kind of goes back to real life and we kind of consider summer over at that point. But, uh, yeah, exciting news also coming out of pile of Bones. uh We're about eight days away from the opening of uh, the new Tap Room. Saw that in an email today that opening on September 20th, August 20th. Sorry, I'm already thinking about September. August twentieth, yes, yes. the new tap room is opening down a uh, Sass Drive and Cameron. There's used to be an old uh, car dealership there, used car dealership that they've uh, taken over. You can't miss it; just blocks from the stadium, so it'll be perfect for uh, depending on when the game is before and after festivities.
1: Oh, I, I I can't wait when I'm when I'm there in October, and I'm crashing into your place. That I think I know exactly where we're going. That
2: night. oh, we're we're 100 going there because yeah, it's just going to be it is the mecca of local. Beer and Spirits in Saskatchewan. There's there's <laughs> no question so about it. I'm
1: so
2: excited. Uh, I don't know if the Riders were very excited on Friday night, as uh, they did beat the Montreal Alouettes, and we saw footage of them from the locker room, I guess, celebrating the win. But I'm sure yeah. deep down inside, it still felt a little weird, and we all kind of felt a little weird about it. And I know, okay, yes, there's a lot of people talking about online about, you know, this conspiracy that, you know, the League loves the Riders, of course, this happened. No. If the League loved the Riders, they'd have more than four great Cups and there'd be far more peaks for this franchise than there has been valleys. It's true. So let's just stop that right now. And that's as yes. much as I'm going to say on that. Um, but then there's the other weird side of it, too, where people were like, well, you know, you know, Rider fans aren't that mad about this. Well, no, because they won. And, yeah, yes. okay, a rule that benefits w- the fans... You know the fan base that had benefited isn't as mad as the other fan bases. Like more yeah. eleven. Like of yeah, course. Yeah, like no, come on.
1: <laughs> no, that is that is huge if true. There, Joel. I don't know on that one.
2: Yeah, you see it all the time when, when there's been you know dirty plays between you know the riders and Hamilton both ways, and the both fan bases have reacted different ways depending on who it was. That's just that's just the way it is. And so that's the same way it applies to this rule. Obviously, Montreal fans are going to be far more disappointed. And so are the other four teams in the West, are probably also going to be far more disappointed than Writer fans are going to be. That's just the way yes. this worked out. And selfishly, as I heard about, you know, I was so full disclosure, I had a family event on Friday. I was PVRing the game, planning to watch it later. Yeah. And, but, I, you know, not being a fan of the team per se, I wasn't really afraid of going online for spoilers. I didn't really care if I knew what the score was before I watched it because I was watching it for work purposes later, so it didn't really matter to me. And then I started seeing that, oh, if you know this game doesn't start soon, it could end, and the riders would win. Yeah. And I was like, huh? Right? Right, what? And so, <laughs> and number one, never heard of this rule before. I, I guess this was also introduced along with the what we learned about during the game against the Argos that was nearly canceled due to rain as well. Or sorry, lightning, not rain. And it just is surprising that this wasn't a talked about more in the first place, I guess, before the season started. But and then I was kind of on board just from a pure fan of chaos, because I knew that this would be one hell of a story that we would be talking about probably, frankly, for years to come. And it actually came true. And now we're still talking about it. Everyone's going to be talking about it this week, I'm sure. And it's just it's just such a strange situation that I don't think any of us could have ever predicted would have happened in the game of football.
1: No, and you're absolutely right, Joel. I, I I think another thing that I found fascinating too is, is, and I'm one of these nerds, but I don't think I've ever seen full text of the entire CFL CBA, right? So you, you generally see like after another pro sports league, some there'll be some journalist someplace that'll read the whole thing, yeah. come up with a few like fun facts. So, hey, this is what you missed. And I almost feel like, like, this would be one that if it was out there, that, that mm-hmm. somebody would have stumbled across a long time ago and said, hey, like, a game's only got to be delayed an hour because of weather after halftime, and uh, it's over, right? So it was kind of fascinating, and you're right, in, in the chaos of just, yeah, no, this is real. Like, you're kind of double-checking your phone and going, is this really a real thing? But from a player safety perspective, I absolutely get it. Mm-hmm. You and I were texting back and forth a little bit about this, uh, A, looking forward to the chaos that we were going to see on social media, and B, the logistics behind it. Now, for those who don't know, um, it's these guys, when they start preparing for a game, the preparation, it's not just a matter of going out, jogging it out for 10 minutes, and all of a sudden they're warm and ready.
2: No, it's, it's yeah. not like you or I getting ready for a slow pitch game.
1: I, I, exactly. Absolutely. It's not just. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, I've torn a hamstring playing slow pitch, so I probably take more time to prepare than the average show these days. But it still is one of those things that that the preparation starts. And I can tell you as a guy that they used to travel with the Saskatoon Hilltops, the preparation starts the night before. These guys are getting their bodies worked, treated, acupuncture, massage, everything like that the night before. They're getting up first thing in the morning just to get taped to do some stretching, to do everything to get ready for the game that's coming up that night. Like, it's not just a a, a get loose, get warm when you get to the stadium thing. Like, we're talking these guys spend the whole day getting ready for the game. So, from a player safety perspective, I get it. Especially after you've already, you know, you've played your first half, you've sat in the locker room for, you know, especially when there's these, these, these concerts on Thursday nights, you're adding a little bit of time to halftime and things like that. And that you're coming out cold and tight, and you're risking injury in so many ways. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it did feel odd. It felt unfulfilled. Yeah. It felt like a win that maybe shouldn't have been a win. It felt, dare I say it, a little dirty. But that's the rules. The rules are there for a reason. Um, and personally, I don't, I don't hate it. I just, I don't know what kind of solution there is because to me, a one-hour time window seems extremely small.
2: Mm-hmm. Especially I when you, especially when you consider within that time frame, if there is a single lightning strike, they have to wait 15 minutes after that before they can start to give the all clear. So all of a sudden, you only need like th- four or five lightning strikes and then there goes an hour.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? And, and I think another thing too that we should educate people on, um, most of our listeners being from Saskatchewan and most of our listeners have probably spent a good deal of their lives in Saskatchewan. You and I are both from the eastern parts of Canada. You are from the originally from the Ottawa area. I'm originally from the Thunder Bay area. Storms back out east. It's it's a night. It's a full night. It's a full day. It's a full you know you have ebbs and flows when things are most destructive. It's not like out here in Saskatchewan where, you know, you look at the Garth Brooks concert where although that seemed to be delayed for a million hours the storm came, hit rolled through it was gone yeah you know there's been countless nights where you know you you thinking of going camping or even just doing something outdoors and you know you get forecasts of thunderstorms and you know the whole the whole night shot because that storm ain't going anywhere so I think that's another thing that that we that collectively everybody needs to open their eyes up about a little bit and you know I'm sure lots of people are well aware of that fact but you know, the climate is much different out east than it is out here in Saskatchewan where, you know, a storm could roll through in five minutes and you'll be fine, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's you know, that's definitely a thing. You're growing up in Ottawa and you just basically, you know, hop, skip, and a jump from Montreal, you know, basically along the same line. And you, you deal with those storms that last for you know, a long time. Generally speaking, my experience, you know, thunderstorms tend to roll in more overnight there than they do during, you know, kind of the sunset period like they do here. So Mm -hmm. maybe that works in their advantage. Where generally, when storms roll in at two a.m., you're not playing football at that point, so it's fine. And but so yeah, like if you look at the weather that night, the storm came and it stayed and it stayed and it stayed. And I I think it stayed long past the hour. So probably whatever point you set that at, the game would have been called regardless. So I I don't think this because it wasn't like five minutes after that hour, everything was fine and they could play football it was yeah, very no, it was on. very much like it lingered on i think i saw a tweet from it might have been one of the argo fan accounts that it wasn't until after like midnight that it would have been fine again and you're not going to start up a football game at that point like that that would have that would have been like 4 hours after the delay started that would have just been as one long stagnant delay it would have been too much now and i know last year there was the whole thing in winnipeg and i think that's that's probably what pushed this rule into existence by the league and agreed upon by the players as well. So let's remember that this was not just something that the league wanted to do. I, th- I believe the league presented it to the players, and obviously the players agreed, and that they built this you know, sort of time frame, this sort of formula as to how it's going to work. Could it be tweaked? Maybe. We'll get into that in a second. But it's clear mm-hmm. that this was a partnership that both sides saw the benefits. So if you're yeah. going to blame anyone, I guess you have to blame both sides equally in this one.
0: Yeah,
1: and you, you can't sit here and say it's a leak conspiracy and it's all that kind of BS, right? Um, In, in terms of, you've mentioned the tweaking. Mm-hmm. I would like to see, and again, Montreal is is a unique situation because, as you just pointed out, that game couldn't have started until hours later. Like, that mm-hmm. game was getting cancelled, postponed, something like that, no matter what happened that evening.
2: Yeah, and there's, there's too many logistics at play to say, well, why don't we start it again tomorrow? Well, no, eh. This isn't baseball where you have your stadium booked every day of the yeah. year for the whole summer. This, you know, There's stadiums to think about, there's hotel rooms, there's flights, there's there's all kinds of logistics in football that don't exist maybe in other sports because you right. only play once a week that you can't just pick up that game tomorrow. Like It, it just wouldn't have worked.
1: Well, well, and especially too, you mentioned the logistics of it. You look in and you can often see if you follow either Derek Taylor or Luke Mullender or previously Rod Peterson on any kind of social media, the writers generally fly back immediately after a game.
2: Yeah. No, like, I, I believe I of... heard something about Craig Dickinson talking about it. I, th- I believe they were flying out the next day in Montreal, but again, okay, that, again yeah. that still wouldn't have worked because unless they played the game at like 7 a.m. or something stupid. Like. <laughs>
1: exactly. And, and, and again, by then, what's even the point, right? I mean, it's, yeah. such a, it's such a weird spot to put everybody in and fans and you're just doing a disservice to everybody. Now, all that being said, I do think that... that There should be some, the score should be considered Mm -hmm. when looking at these delays. Yeah. Um, The delay that we had in Regina when the Argos were in town, when, let's face it, the Riders were just, you know, kicking the shit out of Toronto.
2: Yeah. And both teams basically just went through the motions in the second half afterwards to make sure they didn't get hurt.
1: (laughs) Exactly. To, To me, that is one, with that kind of score, you could say, you know what, an hour's good. It's fine. It's this thing is over. They're up several scores. Let's go home at any point in the game to me, right? And I do think, and and again, Montreal, it probably it never would have happened anyways. But I would like to see a longer waiting window, mm-hmm. despite. And I know the player safety concerns. I know all that. I I I mean, hell, I was the first one to just bring it all up.
2: <laughs> an hour I, is and, an hour is pretty short though.
1: Exactly, an hour, especially again when you account for the. The 15 minutes from a lightning strike, and and I even found the 15 minutes, you know, a, a little surprising considering Brazilian Ty of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I mean, him and I are very close and always have been very, very, very good friends, and you know, he's one of my best friends. And and we were talking, and he's posted a pointed out on Twitter that in his line of work, he's a survey works outdoors all the time. His company says you wait half an hour after the last lightning strike. Yeah. So. 15 minutes to me seems close after a lightning strike and an hour seems close to, you know, call a football game. So I, I would like to see it the score tied to the decision in some capacity because mm-hmm. as you wrote in your piece, you know, yeah – That wasn't a very entertaining game, but we've seen lots of CFL games become instant classics in the fourth quarter, and that one was never given opportunity to become that. Right? So it
2: just it just just didn't get a chance to play out, no matter how it was going to play out, and it just the whole thing just felt weirdly incomplete. And that's that's the thing; you just we didn't get the actual conclusion to this game. They just they there was the delay, they went in the locker rooms, and then essentially just never came out again. And it it just the whole thing felt weird, and yeah, like like we said, there isn't an easy solution to amending this to make sure it doesn't happen. Now maybe we're maybe we're all overreacting because this is the first time it's happened, and maybe it doesn't happen again for another five years. Who knows, really? Exactly. But it does feel like there could be some tweaks, and I think one of the easier ones could be maybe a game isn't official until some point in the fourth quarter instead of halfway Agreed. through the third quarter, which really the first and third quarters are generally, you know, the quarters where, quote-unquote, less stuff happens, and, the, you know, you kind of set things up, and there's less scoring in those two, and things tend to pick up in the second and fourth quarter. You know, this isn't, you know, I hate to brag on the sports, but, yeah, this isn't baseball where every inning is essentially the same. There is, in the fourth quarter of yeah. football, especially as you get down later into it, things dramatically change the, the pace of the game you know the kind of offenses you're running the aggressiveness is there or lack thereof of the defense depending on the score like it changes so much compared to late stages and other sports the only thing like it is maybe the final you know two minutes of a hockey game where a team has pulled the goalie that's probably right. the closest thing you can get to it in other sports really
1: well well and two uh on, on on top of all that just the way that everything that everything does change in the fourth quarter and and you don't see that same i mean the cfl basically says considering the fact that like in a certain point in the fourth quarter you can't challenge calls anymore the cfl and the timing rules and everything the rules of the game basically say the fourth quarter is different and it's more important right now and this is just me throwing you know ish against the wall at this point but like we're pretty good at forecasting weather these days Right? The technology seems way better than it was even five, ten years ago. Yeah,
2: especially when you're talking about a couple hours before and a couple hours after a certain time period, you should generally know what's going to happen.
1: Now, what if, I mean, halftime is long. Mm -hmm. Players in today's day and age are conditioned to be able to go the entire game full bore and not collapse, right? Would there be anything wrong with, okay, storm rolling in here, probably going to start in an hour or two, reducing the amount of time at halftime Mm. to me that's less dangerous on the players than re and their bodies than restarting
2: maybe yeah i mean i i I see that side of it but uh you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you know do
1: a hard sell the tsn on that one (laughs) you're yeah you're right (laughs) that's that would be the toughest part with that all so
2: yeah or if you know if there's if there's enough of a time if there's enough of a warning because we know you know kickoff times are flexible you can always kind of change when games start start i think especially yeah. especially if Saturday or they happen to play on a Sunday if you say okay, we know this is coming you know maybe they move the game up or an hour or two and start it at like three o'clock here instead of five or something like that right.
1: Right, right. And yeah, I, I, I get the logistics of the fans and yeah. tailgates and everything like that. And, you know, but there's there's a lot of bloat to the opening bits of a football game and, you know, the warm ups and the pregame ceremonies and stuff like that. Like sometimes you're right. Storm's coming. Let's cut some of that ish out and just let's go play football.
2: Yeah, and there is some football stories to talk out of this about this game as well, even though it feels weird to talk of, you know, kind of what happened on the field in that game because we don't really know how the story would have played out and that's, you know, to me an important part of any sport is how does, mm-hmm. you know, how does all of this stuff happening affect the final outcome. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we can take away from that game for sure is I believe now the Jason Shivers' defense it starting to find its identity. Now, yes, they scored yeah. two touchdowns in that game, and that's great. And, you know, they won a game the 2018 Riders would have won. And in Montreal, that's important because every time they go to Montreal, no matter the era, no matter the coach, no matter the GM, no matter the players, it's a tough place for this team to play for yeah. whatever reason. There's no logic behind it. No, the players don't think about that when they go in there. But it's a thing. And it's not just a thing for Saskatchewan. There's a lot of Western teams over the years that have gone in there and had uh, a rough time. Some people call it the uh, St. Lawrence flu, I believe, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe it's always that. Sometimes I'm sure teams get caught, you know, reveling in the Montreal nightlife a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think in, t- in today's day and age they got that pretty much locked down, at least before the game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a long way to travel. It is kind of at this point, it is the most easternly team that you have to play if you're in the West Division. So it's like yep. in the NFL when the New York Giants, when they you know would go across to play you know San Francisco, you know that's a hard game for them because they're going all the yep. way across to the West and it's vice versa. We talk about it all the time. Teams have struggled in BC with those games that start at ten o'clock Eastern especially those Eastern teams because their schedule is way out of whack starting the game at 10 o'clock their local time. So yeah. we see that a little bit in Montreal. So it was good, to and I guess for the Riders' benefit, they play a lot of 5 o'clock games at home, so that probably helped them a little bit in this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the defense, the defense is there, and even though they were missing three of their starting defensive linemen, and I think that probably has more to do with Montreal than who was in there, no offense to those guys, but... Overall, it feels like this defense is finding its identity. It's still maybe yeah. not quite as super dynamic as it was last year, but they're starting to consistently get to the quarterback and they're starting to make some plays.
1: Yeah, and, and no, you're you're absolutely right. And, and we said before the season that this defense would be more traditionally good, mm-hmm. you know, just based on the level of talent that was out there compared to schemey good. And now it seems like they're finally starting to put it all together because you can always tell from from day one of this year, even though the riders started, you know, a little slow, the, the the talent was always out there. The talent was never going to be the issue. It's just okay. Is Shriver going to be able to game plan the way that Chris Jones could game plan? And I think you're starting to see that a bit. He's starting to be very familiar with what he's you've got to think again. This is a guy that was basically told very late in the off season. Uh, yeah. So you're the defensive coordinator now because the other guy just left. Yeah. Right. It mm-hmm. seems like everybody's getting each other figured out. The defense is starting to, you know, play under him and he's starting to get his schemes and, and, and tasks and everything like that figured out. And yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't you can't hope for a sprinkle of Jesus every single game. So it's nice to see that the defense is starting to, you know, return to their twenty eighteen level
2: yeah and what's been what I think was important for the riders to win that way, we've seen them basically win a game on special teams. We've seen them win a game with their offense, and now they've won a game with their defense and this is something they didn't always necessarily do last year, and we talked about that a lot last year was the offense's ability to win them a football game. There's maybe only once really they did it last year, so it was impossible. You, you couldn't really say that you could rely on the offense to win them a game when you absolutely needed them to. I think this year's team. You can re- you can safely say all three units are capable of winning them a football game, and yes. they are, they are far more flexible of a football team this year, where they can go in and no matter how the game is playing out, they have an exit strategy to win that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 you're absolutely right that the team, if the defense isn't showing up, the team is screwed like they were in 2018. Yeah, one of the other two facets of the game are able to bail them out with the level of talent that they have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think defensively, what's really helped for them this year is something that they haven't really we haven't really had around here in Saskatchewan in a long time, and I think the linebacking core has probably I can't remember the last time you can really say it's been this strong. They've had you know they've had a guy here or there, they've had a good middle linebacker, they've had a good Sam, or they've had this and that, but right now, if you sit and look at all three guys. I would be willing to say that Solomon el is, you know, quote-unquote, the weak link on there. Not that he's playing poorly or anything, but it says Derek Moncrief and Cam Judge are just playing that darn good. Like, really. Oh, oh, oh
1: you are abs- absolutely right. And uh, that's evidenced by <laughs> – I'm going to bring it up because he seems to be our favorite whipping boy and probably hates us if you ever listen to us. But uh, <laughs> any day that you don't have to start Sam Hurl on defense – is a good day. The Riders no longer have to start Sam Hurl on defense. Has he I don't know, I've
2: barely even noticed him on the field, let alone start defensively.
1: I I'm with you. I don't think he's playing I mean, the guy is still a special teams beast. You oh, watch yeah. him, you no, know. No question. I mean, but that's at this point in his career, and maybe that's what he's always kind of been, you know, a yeah. below average linebacker and above average special teamer. So I mean he's got he's got his niche and he's playing it well, but yeah, the fact that the riders can now keep him off the fields it's a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing was it was a couple of weeks ago Charleston Hughes tweeted out, I believe I believe it was on Twitter, where he said he should be the slam dunk defensive player of the year already. Yeah. And there was there's a few is a few things that make you think twice about that. Number one, there's still two thirds of the season to go. And for the awards, it's so more about how you finish than how you start. And we saw Charleston Hughes get off to a crazy fast start last year, and then essentially do nothing in the second half. So let's all chill on that. You know, Charleston, just take a step yeah. back, relax. You know, it's okay. We we all see how well you're playing. No need to get worried about it. But at the same time, while I don't, while he would at this point would not be a poor pick for that. I, it's really hard to discount what Derek Moncrief is doing in this defense, especially in the absence of Sam McGuivin. Like they oh, yeah. they, they yeah. lost, you know, he was a big piece of the defense. So he was able to do a lot of different things for them. And I'm not saying Derek Moncrief is quite at that level, but he's not your typical Sam linebacker. Who's just essentially a DB. He has yeah. linebacker capabilities as well. And that's, what's making him so effective in that spot.
1: Well, and the thing is, I I think today, if I was to void on the Riders' defensive, most outstanding player, it's probably going to Moncrief. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think, and this is not a slam against, you know, Solomon Elimium wasn't there for a big chunk of the season. He was hurt. And I think Cam yeah. Judge is is trending upwards, but not, you know, dominant yet. So, meanwhile, the Riders' defensive line as a whole, when healthy, you know, it has more talent and depth there that kind of draws away from other guys. And this is not discrediting Charlton Charleston Hughes by any stretch of the imagination. He's no. probably my second pick for that. Yeah, there,
2: there's there isn't a wrong pick between like the a, two of them.
1: Like no, but but to me would, would be the guy because I I think playing linebacker in the CFL and all the things he's able to do is a tougher position than playing defensive line.
2: Especially in that Sam spot where you're essentially another DB on the field who also happens to have linebacker responsibilities.
1: Well that's exactly it right I mean you have to be able to cover guys you have to be able to tackle guys you have to be able to stop the run you have to be able to do so many things and do them you know exceptionally well.
2: And right now he's doing that which is remarkable he's you know he's always been a fairly good player for this team He's shown moments, but I think this year he's really stepped up and taken that next level in his career, taken to the next level in that career in his career, which is huge for this defense to be able to, you know, so when the defensive line gets as banged up as they are, or maybe they have an off night, they know that that second line of defense is still going to be able to contain the run a little bit, going to be able to do some things, and it just gives them so many options because, you know, we saw some. We saw you know Antonio Pipkin and um, Matthew Schultz take some big hits in that football game. Oh, absolutely! And neither of them came from the defensive line. It was Judge and Moncrief lowering the boom on the, both of them. So, <laughs> you know, then they were both. And they were both essentially the identical play, which I thought was interesting. they ran yeah, the same play with each guy, and each guy just you know waltzed past the, def- the offensive line, like he wasn't even there.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and so it's fun, and I think this there's different dynamics to this defense that we maybe didn't quite see last year, and I think that linebacking core is a big reason why the defense is where it is right now and is progressing along as it is. Kind of like the offense has been progressing along, thanks to uh, your boy, Cody Fajardo,
1: Fajardo, and Fajardo dogs, and I want the corn dog now.
2: Yeah, so we talk about Cody Fajardo pretty much every week on this podcast. It's true. So it feels yeah, it almost a bit, like a. It, it, it almost feels like a Cody Fajardo fan podcast at this point, along with being a weather podcast and along with being a Josh Smith podcast. Um, we, haven't <laughs> we haven't dropped it. We haven't. We haven't, wow. we haven't made it one in a while. So I figured today was the day to make one. Um, good
1: job. It kind of came out of nowhere, like a good did. old RKO.
2: Exactly, it worked really, really well. Um, yeah, so there isn't much to say about Cody Fajardo in this game. Like really. He he was fine. He was you know, I think I think they were picking it up a little bit in the second half that they did play that little bit in the third quarter it was starting to look a little better. You know, kind of to rewind back to the weather talk a little bit. I'm fairly confident if that game went to the end the riders would have won anyway. Um, just based on the way the defense was playing, and I think the way the offense was starting to find their groove a little bit. It wouldn't have been a blow up by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm pretty confident they would have hung on to win. Um But there was the interesting bit of information that got dropped on the Rod Peterson show last week that surprisingly Dunk has not turned into a story on the website, which I still haven't quite wrapped my head around. True. That Cody Fajardo may be having some sort of interest from the XFL. Yes. And that was something that for some reason caught me off guard, but on second thought really shouldn't have. No, this is a, this is a startup league. Every startup league in football needs quarterbacks from anywhere they can find it. He's a free agent at the end of the year. If they can offer him the money, he probably should consider it. But I, I'm so torn. I'm so torn from his perspective, whether he should actually do it or not is the question. Because, because I, (laughs) because I think he, he may or may not get a pay bump. I don't know what the XFL salary structure is. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, this is feels a lot like after the twenty four after the 2013 season, you know, Corey Sheets' mom was telling him to stay here because he was going to be beloved and blah, 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 blah. And he'd still make pretty decent money and do all this and that. And then he went to Oakland and blew his Achilles and he said he wishes he stayed here the whole time. Yeah. And, I'm not saying anything bad's gonna happen to Cody Fajardo if he goes to the the XFL. Obviously, the the injury that Corey Sheet suffered was just pure coincidence, but he yeah. probably wouldn't have been a star in the NFL anyway. So, is when you when you're when you've bounced around for so long and you've had different, you've been cut from different teams, you've had so many different setbacks. When something finally works, is it worth giving it up so quickly for another maybe? I don't know. I really don't know the answer to
1: that question. Now I'm greedy, and I love money. Um,
2: but again, my... do you know the XFL structure? Like, is if he plays his card rights, he could still make probably the same to pretty good money here in Saskatchewan as well.
1: Oh, 100%. And that, to me, is what the XFL is quickly going to become. Yeah. It is quickly going to become a bargaining chip for a lot of guys. Yeah. Like, I feel Fajardo should go out and get paid. I don't think he's, you know, he's into that stratosphere of that eight hundred thousand oh, dollar year no. quarterback.
2: I, I don't even, I, I, after just one good season, I don't even know if you're ready to give him Trevor Harris money yet.
1: I, I maybe I maybe problem, in,
2: maybe something very incentive late if you do, but not base salary.
1: Right. But the problem is, is I think between the vacancies now and the XFL, because they know they can stock their, you know, quarterbacks are so hard to find, hmm. they're going to go after free quarterbacks. They're going to go after them. Yeah. Um, and the fact is that there's even other CFL teams that are going to want Cody Fajardo and want him back. You know, let's, let's look. Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal maybe. You know, Ottawa's going to need a quarterback. Saskatchewan, right? So the market for Cody Fajardo, you know, now you're adding the entire XFL along with the current CFL. I think Cody Fajardo is going to take the opportunity, and I can't blame him to get paid.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't blame him for that either.
1: No. no so I, 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 think, I think I I think think the dude is going to get paid. Is the XFL a real threat? I don't know. I don't know their salary structure. I don't know how stable they are. You know, obviously Vince McMahon's got dough. Hmm. But it just, to me, Cody Fajardo is becoming a very good quarterback at a very good time for him. And I hope the dude get and I hope it's Saskatchewan that's paying him. I hope he keeps, you know, a little Jesus on everybody, eating yeah. some Fajardo dogs. But, like, yeah, the dude's in a good spot. He's going to get paid by somebody out there. And it was almost that that dunk bomb was almost a quick reminder of, oh, yeah, the XFL is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, And I I forgot about them. I think we all learned our lesson on the
2: AF a little bit. So I don't want to get too much in the XFL and what they might mean to the CFL. I I will I would be I'm fairly confident saying the XFL will at least get to their first championship game because Vince McMahon is financing this thing himself. So there's no concerns there. But I, I just think from Fajardo's perspective, I think at the very least he should probably stay in the CFL just because you found that this works for you. You've, ad- you've adjusted to this Canadian game, and now you're going to go back to the States and readjust. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that respect, but I, I just – I feel like – and I, my, my prediction here is still it's fairly early – I do in my heart believe that something is going to get done between him and the Riders. I know everyone, because he's so good right now and everyone's kind of a little bit worried and it's all in the moment that they're clamoring for this deal to get done, like yesterday. But I'm like, let's relax. It's the start of August. I believe, ultimately, maybe probably post-Labor Day, sometime before the playoffs, that this deal will get done because I think Number one, the writers should have cap room given that they're not really paying a quarterback this year. Yes. And Claris is off the books next year, so the money's there. And there is a lot of other ways, shall we say. Completely yes. legal. Completely legal.
1: Completely legal other ways than this, is
2: this, this isn't envelopes or passed around a room kind of thing. Like there are other no. completely ways for him to supplement his income in Saskatchewan.
1: Yes. Like so many, many appearances.
2: So there's there's going to be options for him and I will never blame a guy for taking what he thinks is the best option for him. It's his career. He's got to strike while the iron's hot. I get all that. But I just feel like maybe at the end of the day, Cody, I know you don't listen to us because you have no idea who we are. Maybe take a really long consideration about staying here, at least for another season. Just because you know it works and you've tried for so hard for so long to get to this point. Stick with it. It's kind of that's just kind of how I feel. It feels a lot kind of like the Corey
1: Sheets situation to me. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. But at and least, and, you and know. he's just such a perfect
2: fit for Saskatchewan too, in so many yeah. different levels as a quarterback. I mean, number one, obviously the most important thing is he's been playing great football. None of the rest of the stuff matters if he isn't playing great football. But he seems like he's got a you know he's a smart player. There's so many times he talked about little things he's done. That have just been yeah. so intelligent on the football field. He's got, you know, he's got this weird, quirky, innocent, dork personality about him, for lack of a better word, that is just fun to watch and listen to, which is something you don't often see and feel, especially so, like, right away. Like, I remember when Drew Willey first started, he was just a train wreck to listen to, and he never really got that much better. Oh, yeah. But Cody Fajardo just has a sort of natural. Dorky small town kind of charisma about him that I think works um, for a certain section of Saskatchewan. We'll call the Bible Belt. It works because he's a God fearing man. So yes. Like for 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 everybody out there, there is some box that Cody Fajardo checks for you as to why he is just a perfect fit in Saskatchewan. And I just it just it would be it would be it would be tough to see all of that go away so fast. I think.
1: No, and you're absolutely right, and I, I mean, I love him because he eats hot dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not, and and he's not a shitty interview, right? No, like it, it, it's it seems like there there's other people in podcasts that seem like they're on the verge of getting him on, and I actually think he's going to be entertaining, and and you know how I feel about interviewing players, I hate doing it, it sucks, yeah. it's the best thing that I don't have to do anymore, right? So, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah. It, I, I'm with you. I think it gets done. It's going to be somewhere around a 350 base plus another hundred they They're going to because, again, they're stacking up to host the Grey Cup. You're going to see a bunch of that money and performance bonuses that you can kind of get away with under the cap structure heading into the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, and that that's what they should do, and uh, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. So uh, before we go this week, uh, we would be it would be wrong if we didn't talk about one of the previous number sevens for this franchise, as uh, Weston Dressler kind of officially announced his retirement the past week. He's going to be uh, working down south at some schools down there, so that's yeah, I think that's a good, cool, natural fit for him. I don't think anyone was too shocked to learn that Weston Dressler wasn't going to be playing football anymore. Considering you know we're just at that point where it's okay he's not coming back, whether he uh, ever announced it or not. So obviously we all wish Dressler well in whatever he does next, and he will be no stranger to Saskatchewan. His his wife is from Regina, and I believe yes. he still spend a lot of time here. So he, so I I do have this piece that I have written for Three Down Nation, and as Justin Dunk likes to do, he's just sitting on it for some reason. Um, yes. Where you know, I kind of wrote about how, number one, there's there's just not going to be another Weston Dressler. No, and then I'm not talking about the abilities on the football field. There'll always be other great receivers. But there was this Weston was an entirely different animal for this franchise and for this league, quite frankly. Yeah, and I tell the story of when I first started with CJME, and they sent me to cover the launch of the Dario's cereal. So I went to the co-op in Rochdale to talk to Darian Durant at this thing. And I asked him if he could sell more cereal boxes than Wesson Dressler could all Dressler chips. And he said, no, Weston's the man. And me as sort of new to the rider beat, boy from Ontario, you know, kind of like the CFL, but didn't really follow it that closely sort of thing. was like, huh, that's kind of a weird thing for a quarterback to say. Because normally in football... No matter what, no matter how many other stars you have on the team, if you're if you have a good quarterback, your quarterback is the man.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: But you quickly learn in that time and frame in Rider history that while Darian was good and was a man, Weston Dresser was, in fact, the man in this community. For he really, and he it really was, was. His, he really was because he there was a, so many he was you know the ultimate underdog, so he's easy to cheer for as. You know this really short receiver, but he worked harder than anyone. He gave it his all, and he was—he's was just—he's just an all-around good dude. And yeah, it was just such a natural fit for this community. And I felt—and you know, looking back on it now, when Chris Jones cut him, beyond the obvious reasons as to why fans are upset because a fan favorite got cut, I think that story kind of lingered. Longer than a lot of other people do because... Not because he got cut. Not because the team decided to move on. That was probably the right time to do it. But there's there was never that closure. Right. Regenas in Saskatchewan never really got the closure of the Western dresser era. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. And the way it was handled wasn't great. And the whole thing about it just left everyone feeling like... Is this, is this really how it ends between these two? And I think... Over the next little while, you know, I don't think this retirement is necessarily the closure. But I think over the next few years, once we get to the Plaza, because he's obviously unanimous first round selection in Plaza, the, everyone will finally get the closure I think that they've been waiting for.
1: And I think you're right because even it's funny you mentioned the closure jewel. And and a this like subtle retirement announcement couldn't be more Wesson Dressler if he tried. No, not at all. Just basically like. Yeah, so I'm doing some stuff now, and yeah, an interview I'm with a
2: paper in North Dakota that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, here's yeah, my exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, by the way, I'm retired, right? Yeah. Um, so a that was perfect that was perfect, Weston. Um, and, and B, I still don't think that this like, like I feel like he announced his retirement more on the Rod Peterson show than he did like in this article or ever filing his retirement paper. It still doesn't feel like there's closure. And you're right, like. I don't think Saskatchewan gets that until the Plaza of Honor, and you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Do the riders go for the home run and maybe wait and do him and Darian together? Because I think they absolutely should.
2: I think I think they should as well, and of course, there is the thought process of, and now it's not the riders that ultimately, you know, there's a committee of people that decide who, go who goes into the plaza, um, and I believe Rob Van Stone is on that committee, so this will be an interesting question to ask him. Yeah, what do they do with this? Because there is not a more dynamic duo in Ryder in the last you know twenty years probably of rider history than Darian Durant or Wes and Weston Dressler. So Absolutely. it makes all of the sense in the world that they should go into the plaza together, and that will be a bonanza of an event, no question about it. But there's also the other thought of if you're just purely looking from trying to sell tickets to multiple events, because Darian retired a year earlier. Do you do Derry in one year and Weston the next? I don't think they should, but it's something that might be considered.
1: I think, and I and I can talk to you from from being a part of the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner here in Saskatoon, an absolute massive event. To me, much like when the Kinsmen did the tribute to Gordy Howe, you do a one big one night, you go all in, you get all the dollars, you make it a thing. And, you, and it, because, again, the Plaza of Honor induction is never going away. I'm not saying it should. No. That would be a terrible idea. But what I'm saying is you're going to have big years. And you're going to have years that are like, yeah, okay. To me, you really make this a big year to really celebrate that era of rider football. Because that's exactly what that would be. And there would be no more perfect way than having Weston and Darien in the same room to do that in that way. And then, you know, you can kind of, you know, tone her back for a couple of years and then build up to something big again. It's just to me, that would be that would be one of the the biggest tickets to get in Saskatchewan.
2: Oh, no question. It would be probably it would be one of the biggest, if not the biggest plaza of honor, I think, events held. I don't know the history of it that well. There's obviously been some big ones over the years, but if they're going to, you know, limit the number of people going into a lower number every year, and they've made some big changes to the event over the year, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit over the last few years. This feels like a big sort of kickstart to it, a big, you know, a big boost for what it could be if you ran Darian Durant and Westland Wrestler out there together and it just, it just makes all the sense in the world maybe even you know do you bend the rules a little bit if you can and expand a little bit and maybe include like a chris gets or someone else from that era in that as well just to really you know really make this something
1: i think you do i i i think but again you can take a guy like chris gets laugh and, and put him in it, it like even if you were to split it up get up Darien one year and then Dressler and Gets Laugh another right like yeah. but uh, the three of them in one night would just be outstanding like mm-hmm. that, that 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 I I can't think how massive that event would be
2: yeah it would it'd be huge hopefully it doesn't rain